Macworld Podcast number 238, Special Tips Edition, for March 30th, 2011. Welcome to the Macworld Podcast. I'm Chris Breen. That's right. This is a special tips edition of the Macworld Podcast, where I've gathered together some of the brightest lights on the Macworld staff to offer some of their favorite tips and tricks to you, our dear readers. We'll start with Jason Snell. Hello. Dan Frakes. Hi, Chris. And Dan Morin. Hello. Hello. And the idea is that we're just going to go around the virtual table and uh, offer up some of our uh, favorite tips. Some of them, I expect, will be tips you may know, and others are going to be very obscure. And uh, and we'll see how this works out. So um, I'm going to start off because I'm going to offer the very fr- – I'm going to set the bar very, very low. Um, Thank you. Yes, mm. so that later on everybody say, well, mine's – <laughs> oh, I can I can get under that. Oh, well, well, we'll see because this one um, this is from observing my mother work, and invariably when she's in the finder and she wants to name something, she double clicks on the file and then she types in the entire name. and uh, And I said, "Mom, all you have to do is select the item and hit return, and then you can type in the name. So no need to do the double click and then type the entire thing." That's a far out, tip. man. And that's how low the bar is. So, uh, Jason, next to you. All right. Um, let's going. That's good to know where the bar is set. Um, how about this one? When you are um, logging into your Mac, let's say you've got more than one uh, user account on your Mac. So you come to the login screen. What I like to do, if I just need to do something really quick, is hold down the space bar. No, hold down the shift key. Sorry, hold down the shift key. And when you, if you hold down the shift key when you press the login button after you put in your password or whatever um, and keep it held down for a little bit, it will launch you into um, your desktop without opening any of your auto-open apps. So if you, if you just need to turn on your computer and get a file really quick and you don't want 20 apps to automatically launch um, – because that'll take forever and it'll slow your Mac down and it'll take you five minutes to get that file. Hold down the shift key. I believe if you get the timing right, you can do that even when you've got it set to auto login, but mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's a little trickier. But, but holding down the shift key, when in doubt, it, it will um, you know, stop those apps from bouncing in the dock, and it's a good thing. That one's nice, too, because that's a throwback to the uh, classic Mac days when uh, holding down the shift key would, would boot you with no, no extensions, extensions loaded. Yep. Right. Mm-hmm. But for startup items, I mean, there's a lot of stuff in there, and my iMac's disk starts to churn, and it, you know, it's a good couple of minutes before it's, it's ready and at full right. speed because it's trying to launch iCal and load all those calendars, and it's a bad idea. I, ha- I actually have over 30 login items. And, uh, Why am I not surprised? It takes it takes like five minutes for my desktop to. So you, what you're saying, Dan, is you don't you don't shut down your computer? Oh, ever. Ever. No, no, no. Right. Okay. Well, Dan, let's uh, Dan Frakes. Let's go to you. I'm going to get a little more complex um, with some third party products here, and I'm just going to say that if you've got more than one Mac, or if your household has more than one Mac, or if you work in an office where people collaborate, download Dropbox, <laughs> which we love. Install that was that on, was on my list of uh, possible. Uh, I yeah. thought it was I thought it was too cheap, too easy, too no, simple. It's but incredible. Obviously not. Yes. And I mean, most people have heard of Dropbox by now. But if you haven't, you install it on all your Macs, and once it's configured, um, you get a you get a Dropbox folder. It's one folder 
uh, in your documents folder, and anything you put in there is automatically synced not only to Dropbox's servers on the web, but to every other Mac you have configured. So, you know, since I started using this a couple of years ago, I, I remember whenever I would take my laptop out, I would have to get out my little USB drive, and I'd copy over all my email stuff and all my documents I wanted to work on while I was out, uh, anything I might need. And then I'd, you know, copy it over, take it to my laptop and, you know, load it up there. And then invariably I'd be out on a trip somewhere. I'd be like, oh, I forgot that file, you know. And so now I, I don't do that anymore. I just, anything that I might ever need anywhere, I just stick in my Dropbox folder. In fact, I've, I've practically moved all my documents into my Dropbox folder so that they're available instantly anywhere I'm at. And if I'm on somebody else's computer, I can just go onto the Dropbox website and download it from there. You know, I, Nicely done. I, uh, I just had somebody, I mentioned it this morning on Twitter, and, and somebody said, why would I use that instead of iDisk? Which it, it boggles my mind that people... Because it works? Yeah, that people don't, <laughs> don't know. So, so even though we flog yeah. Dropbox a whole lot, uh, people don't know about it. And, and yes, the answer is if you're already paying for MobileMe, um, it's so much better that I can't even begin to describe. It's better in every as, conceivable as, way. Yeah. And as someone who lost data on iDisk, never to be retrieved ever, I will just say that I don't use iDisk anymore because it, it really bit me. So Dropbox is great because not only does it provide the backup, but it also versions your right. files. So if you change something and you're like, oh, I deleted that paragraph from that file I need, you can go back and get it. Well, and also a lot of iPhone apps now can access data on Dropbox and a lot of utilities and things that you would use on your Mac and store lots of settings that you wish you could have elsewhere. A lot of those utilities now, like Tech Expander or, um, or 1Password, mm-hmm. let you store those settings on Dropbox so that way you can access them and have them available on all your Macs. Okay, Dan Morin. Well, we seem to be on sort of a Mac bent, so I'll keep it going with that. Let me ask you a simple question. Are you bad at arithmetic? Because I am. <laughs> So I, I often need to do just a quick little math problem. Where I just want to check you know, that I'm doing some math correctly. And Spotlight is your friend because if you open up Spotlight, which you can do by clicking on that little magnifying glass in the top right corner or hitting command spacebar, um, you can just type in a simple math- arithmetic expression there. So 2 plus 2, and it'll tell you 4. Or, you know, the 4 times 85, and it'll tell you – hold on. Let me check. Uh, I can't type, so that's really that, that great. 340. Um, yeah, see, 340. That's what I was about to say, but you beat me to it. Anyway, so Spotlight's great. You can do simple addition, uh, multiplication, subtraction, division, and I think you can even do some more complicated stuff if you need, like, parentheses or whatever in there. So handy way to do that without whipping out the calendar or calculator application or the calendar application if you do a strange sort of math. Well, you know, I, I that's a great tip, and actually it, it leads into one of mine on my five lists, which is that um, I was going to go more general here and just say, if you don't use Spotlight, take a half an hour one day and and learn how to use it and learn the things it can do in terms of you know finding finding applications and launching them, finding your documents by their content. Um, like Dan said, you can do math problems. You can it, there's so much dictionary. What's that? That's my favorite. Looking at right, definitions. right, you can look up dictionary definitions. I mean, it does so much. And and while a lot of us here are fans of LaunchBar or Quicksilver or Butler, which are similar third party utilities. Spotlight's built in, and you owe it to yourself to at least learn how to use it and get more out of your Mac by using it. Okay, so my turn again. I am going to go with the Option Keys plus F Keys. Um, these are very simple shortcuts for opening specific system preferences. So if you hold down Option F1 or F2 on your laptop, the Display System Preference will appear. So you don't have to go to the System Preferences menu and, and 
weed through all that stuff. It just pops up. Um, option F3, F4 uh, exposes expose and spaces. Option F5, F6 is uh, shows you keyboard shortcuts in the uh, keyboard system preference. And option F10, 11, or 12 will pop up the system uh, sound system prefs. And also, if you have a larger keyboard, particularly if you have a third-party keyboard, some of these keys will work differently. So it's worth your while to hold on option, bang on an F key or two, and see what happens. I I did not know that. I that is uh that's a great one. I had no idea. That's one of those ones I found by accident. Yeah. You know, when you're holding on the option key and stabbing at something, and you go, "Why did that system preferences pane just?" Well, yeah, and it also works if you've got uh, the the respective menu extras showing in the menu bar. If you option click on the volume, um, the volume uh, icon, you get extra options. If you option click on uh, there's a, uh, the displays one, um, it'll take you to the displays preferences. Yeah, and same with airport menu. Right, so right. if you do that, you yep. get all the intimate details right. of your airport connection, which is great when you can't figure out, wow, I just I don't seem to be able to connect anywhere. Well, the reason is it's because your reception is no good, and that, that shows you right there. You guys just totally stole one of mine, which was the option click on uh, sound oh. menu extra there. Oh, no! Okay, Jason, that's up. And while uh, Dan... I'm going to scramble. Yeah, think of yeah he's got to scramble, so Jason, go ahead. All right, um, a a couple of years ago, I think, I did a video for the Macworld Video Podcast. You can go back and look at it if you want. I believe it was called Stupid iPhone Tricks. And one of those tips I still use every time I take a trip. Um, and it is not something – I mean, I know this is going to sound stupid, and yet I don't think people think about it. It's just not something that we're programmed to do, which is you have a camera with you at all times – Assuming you've got a cell phone with a camera, and and you know I'm going to say your iPhone, but it could be some other cell phone too. You've got a camera with you. Use it, and that I mean, as simple as that is, um, I, I don't think people think of it. So here's my tip to you: when you check into the hotel and you, you're going into your room for the first time, or or more to the point, when you're leaving your room for the first time, take a picture of the room number on the outside of the door, so that if you forget the room number. You've got it. When you park in a parking garage at a at a um, a sporting event, at a shopping mall, someplace where it's unfamiliar, take a picture of the sign that says what section you're parked in. If you're driving a rental car, take a picture of the rental car so that you can know what car you were driving, what color it was, and what license plate number it is so you can actually find it. That actually happened to me um, the other week when I was in Arizona with my daughter, and, and we were walking through the parking lot pressing the unlock button hoping that – car would unlock and that would be our rental car because i hadn't taken a picture of it or or a better car yeah oh that would have been awesome uh, although confusing so so you know the short version is there are lots of things that you could rely on your memory or you could like write it down on a scrap of paper or even write it on your iphone in a note field and my tip is don't just take a picture of it you can throw the picture away later and if you really are um uh, a sad, lonely person, you can do what I did, which is create a little um, iPhoto gallery of all of your um, hotel room numbers. That is a great tip. Thank you. I, I never do that because uh, I, you're right. Invariably, I go to a parking lot and I get lost. I actually paid for an app to tell me where my car is, but I could have just taken D8. Take a picture of it. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Good. Okay. Uh, Dan Frakes. Oh, is it my turn again? Yes, it is. Um Okay, this is probably the most general one, and Chris, I know you'll like this one too, and that is that uh, figure out a backup plan for your data and do it. And maybe that's not really a tip, but it's advice, and it's 
I can't tell you the number of people I know who've lost data over the years have come to me and said, my hard drive is having problems and I, I have this document I can't get, or I've lost all my photos. Um, it, 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 this should probably be like the number one tip for any Mac user is to figure out a way to make sure you've got backups of your data. Uh, we've, we've been doing plenty of articles on this lately on macworld.com um, and then, and do it. Uh, it will save you much heartbreak down the road. Well, this is to find out how nice a person you are. So when somebody comes to you and asks that, is the first thing you say, well, you just go back to your backup, (laughs) and then then you watch them weep? Well, I usually say, so did you have a backup? And then I watch their their eyes kind of glaze over as they say, (laughs) a a backup. Yeah, and... um, Right, so there's there's the extended part of the tip, which is if you're a, a smart, savvy Mac user and you're like, ah, I've great, I already have my backup. Find somebody else and help them set up one. I mean, I you know when I set up my Mac for my parents, I just set up yeah. Time Machine and mm-hmm. plug the drive in. They don't have to worry about it. Done. So you know, pay it forward. There you go. Yes. Okay. So Dan Morin. Uh, so I'm gonna another Mac tip. Um, if you're spending a lot of time in the Finder. And you want to sort of navigate. Sure, a lot of people double-click up and down through your folders, whatever. Um, there's a couple neat tricks uh, for sort of navigating your file system. One is that there are uh, keyboard commands. If you want to go uh, hierarchically up to the folder that encloses the folder you're in, you can hit uh, command up arrow. It will take you up. If you have a folder selected and you want to sort of delve down into that folder, you could always do command O, but you can also do command down. Um, and one of my favorite tips, which is also kind of an, an oldie but a goodie, is in any folder, if you're in a Finder window, um, you can hold Command and click on the name of the folder in the title bar, and it will show you the entire hierarchical path, um, You know, no matter how many folders deep you are. And you can just select any of those because it's basically just a pop-up menu, and it will take you right to that folder. And, and nowadays you can right-click or control-click on the, on the same icon. They've added that, and it will do the same yep. thing. Is there any way to copy the path from that, or you no. just have to remember where it is? There is no way. Yeah, right. I don't think there is a easy way to do that, unfortunately. Yep. Okay, well, we'll recommend that for Lion, then. Please copy path within some kind of selection. Uh, okay, so it's my go-around again. Um, let's say you have a couple of Macs, and you have you have your desktop Mac, and you have your laptop that you take on the road with you. And your desktop Mac, you have tweaked your junk mail setting to within an inch of its life, so it's perfect and yet your laptop is not because you haven't trained it very well. Well, you can easily take the file that holds your junk settings and transfer it over to your laptop. And where you will find it is in your user folder, library, mail. And what you're looking for is a file called LSMMAP2. (laughs) Once again... Luck. They named it convenient. Can, yes. can I take a photo of that with my iPhone to remember it? Yes, you can. And that stands, of course, for Lucky Strike means Mighty Ape Persimmon 2. Um, oh, and that's where the junk... So much easier to remember that. <laughs> yeah, much easier to remember. So, yes, that's where all the junk stuff is. And if you take that file and you take it to the other Mac, or as many Macs as you like, and replace the existing file with this one, all your junk mail settings will be tweaked perfectly and uh, and you'll be a much happier individual when you take your other computer. Or out. you could you could put it in your Dropbox, and then you'll always have it available, ah. no matter what Mac you're on. All right, then we'll call that a piggyback and give you a plus one for that. Woohoo! Okay, Jason. All right, um, one of the unsung features, especially for the lazy among us, and who among us isn't lazy? I'm looking at you, Dan Frakes. Hmm. So um, 
<laughs> is there's screen sharing built into OS no. 10. So, oh, so see, ha, ha, burn. Oh, the sound uh, of a stolen tub. Um, so you go to your system preferences and click on the sharing preference pane, and you can turn on this thing called screen sharing. And the nice thing about it is um, that that means from another Mac on your local network, you can connect and control it as if you were sitting at it. So let's say you're sitting on the couch with a laptop or with certain apps that are available in the App Store, even an iPad or an iPhone, and you want to um, do something on the Mac that's across the room or down the hall, or maybe you forgot to shut it down and you want to go ahead and shut it down, um, using screen sharing, uh, you can do this. And on the Mac, the way it's manifested is it's in your sharing along with file sharing. So in the little sidebar in the Finder, you'll see it. If you choose Network from the I think it's the Go menu, you'll see it. And you can uh, when you when you open up a, a Mac that's got screen sharing turned on, there's a button in the upper right hand corner of that uh, that window in the Finder, uh, you know, along with whatever files are shared that says share screen. And you click on it and put in the password if a password is necessary, and uh, you will get a window on your Mac of that other Mac, and you can remote control it. And I use this all the time, especially on my iPad, actually. I've got a computer in a closet somewhere. It's got a monitor attached. I can go there. Um, but now it's actually in my son's bedroom, so I can't go in there when he's falling asleep, and it's a lifesaver. I remember when that used to be like voodoo too. Like you had to get like expensive software in order to mm-hmm. do that, or yeah, you know, it was the domain it's all built in using now. like yeah. Unix and stuff like that. So well, cool. Luckily, you didn't completely steal my tip, Jason. So I'm going. Would you take, like to elaborate, yeah. or are you so, going to just go right a, ahead? Well, two things. One is if you do use it for what Jason is is saying in terms of controlling other Macs on your on your local network, there's a little utility called Screen Sharing Menulet, and it's free, and it makes the process so much easier because it's just an icon in your menu bar. You click it and it shows every Mac in your on your network with screen sharing enabled, and then you just choose one and it connects you. So you don't have to worry about going to a Finder window, clicking on the the Mac, and then clicking connect or share screen. Um, it makes it really a lot easier. But the the second part that I was going to say um, for my tip was that this isn't only useful in your home. Um, you know, most of us, and I'm sure a lot of MacWorld readers are the de facto tech support people in the family, right? So anytime anyone has a problem, they email us or call us and say, you know, this thing won't work on my Mac. What do I do? Um, it makes it so much easier to help people when you can just say, okay, let me screen share and you can just watch what I'm doing on your computer from here. And then they all, you know, they're all just amazed. They're like, wow, you're controlling my computer from across the country? And you're like, yes, mom. Um, <laughs> Step away right. from the mouse. So, so make sure whenever you're, when the next time you're at, you know, your family member or friend's house who asks you for tech support, either do what Jason said, go into system preferences and sharing and enable screen sharing or set them up with an iChat account because iChat also has screen sharing. So if you're, if you're chatting with someone on iChat, they can share your screen right there in, in screen sharing without even having to set up the, uh, the screen sharing setting. And so that way you can help them figure out their, you know, what's wrong with their computer, help them fix it, and they can watch you all the while without having to do that back and forth over the phone where you say, click the button, you know, and look, this one, no, no, not that one, over a little bit, you know, back and forth and back and forth. I just, I just installed screen sharing menu during that, during you telling us about it. It's very it handy. It is great. Yeah. Yes. That's great. I'm going to try it out. So, Dan Morin, back to you. Uh, this is a, an iPhone or iPad related hint, which is to say, I'm, I know that, that we are all big fans of Apple's ping social <laughs> service. And in the, in the enhanced version of the podcast, you can see the flashing sarcasm sign. Um, 
So, but maybe maybe you're not such a fan and you would rather that you never, ever saw Ping again. Um, unfortunately, Apple sort of integrated it into both the iTunes app, um, the store app on, on the uh, iPad and the iPhone. And it's now, as of, I think, iOS 4.3, it's also part of the iPod app. Um, but you can banish it entirely through this little trick, which is to say, go into settings, uh, general restrictions. Now, this is normally where you'd set up like parental restrictions if you were going to give your uh, an iOS device to your kid or something. But it turns out it's handy for yourself as well. Tap enable restrictions. It'll prompt you for a four digit code because this really isn't like a sensitive thing. Presumably on your phone, you can just use like zero 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 or one two three four or what have you. Scroll down and then just flick the slider for ping to off. You will never see ping again. Okay, so uh, let's make this the last round. And um, this is a tip that nobody else in the world will ever use, but I think it is so awesome that I discovered it yesterday. I'm just going to say it anyway. So I'm, I'm currently in the um, reviewing Rogue Amoeba's Airfoil, which is uh, an application that lets you broadcast any audio on your Mac out to your Airport Express or an Apple TV or um, or an iOS device if you're using Air, AirTunes uh or airfoil speakers. So what I have in my office is a Sonos music player, and uh, this lets me stream music from the internet. So what I've done is I've plugged that into the digital audio input on my Mac. I've then set up airfoil to stream that. So anything coming into that uh, digital audio in is now streaming out via airfoil. And then I've switched on airfoil speakers on my iPod Touch. What this allows me to do is walk around my house with headphones on and listen to anything that's coming out of Sonos. And not only that, but I can also call up the Sonos app on my iPod Touch and go to any one of the uh, subscription services I belong to, so Rhapsody, Napster, or RDO, or I can go to Pandora. And so from there, basically, I can tune into a library of about 25 million songs on my iPod Touch, thanks to Airfoil and Sonos. So again... It's uh, you don't have to have Sonos. You can have something like a squeeze box and do the same thing. Just put it into the audio in of your um, of your Macintosh, and then you can stream anything that's coming off that device. And uh, again, obscure but very very cool. Jason, all right. I I like to store um, some stuff on my iPhone so that I have uh, easy access to it quickly, and. And so I share this tip because I think other people could do this too. Um, you can make web pages, even if they're just text files or very simple web pages, and put them on some server you have, which you know your 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 um, internet provider probably provides you with web storage space, or you've got .mac and you can put web pages there. There probably you have some place you can put something that'll be on the web. And what you can do is you can put a page there that's got, you know, in my case, I've got one that's my bus schedule. It's when the bus comes, when do I need to leave, when does the bus arrive? I put that on a web page, and then I can actually um, open it in Safari on my browser and press the little plus button and add it as a shortcut on my home screen of my iPhone. So I've got one of those for my bus schedule, and and you can, if you want to really go to town with it. You can actually look up, you can make a little ping that's like an icon ping file and put it up there and put the right thing in it. And you can go down the rabbit hole with this tip. And I have, but the basic version of it is, you know, you, you can do that. You don't necessarily have to have something that's stored away in a note in an app that's back on a back screen. You can actually take it, 
put it on a web page, press the plus button, and have bus schedule out on the top level of your iPhone, where when you tap on it, it loads that page and shows you the bus schedule. Um, I also have this for a couple of internet radio stations I listen to. And yes, you can now buy apps or, or download free apps that will connect you to internet radio stations and they'll play in the background. But uh, the other part of this tip is that you don't actually need apps to listen to streaming internet audio on the iOS. Um, you can do it through Safari. The Safari web browser will play those files, uh, you know, those stations in the background just as easily. So I have a page that is my like three or four favorite uh, streaming internet radio stations. And that's saved on my home screen as well. And I tap it and it brings up the list, which is just this list of links that I made. And you tap one of them and it starts streaming the live internet radio. And it's all in Safari. I didn't have to go into an app and launch it and go to the favorites and tap it. It was just all there. So really simple ways to take stuff that you really care about and put it at the top level and not have it sort of hide inside an app that you have to put somewhere. Nice. All right, Dan Franks. Well, I did have some more Mac ones, but since everyone else has done at least one iPhone one, I guess I feel like I'm obligated here to to do something for the for the iOS yeah. or iPad. It's in your contract. Yes. There are people out there now going, "No, we want more Mac <laughs> right, tips, right, right. Stan Franks. We look what to is you, this iPad world. Exactly. Well, what I'm going to do is uh, talk a little bit about moving apps on the iOS devices, on iPhones and iPads. Um, I download a lot of apps, and anyone who's who does this regularly knows how much of a pain it is to to have to drag an app from one screen to another, and especially if you have to drag it a long ways across, you know, four or five screens, or if you have to, uh, um, if you want to drag more than one. And so what I do is I pull an app out of the dock to give myself a space in the dock and then use that extra space as sort of a little, um, what's it, like a moving truck. So you stick the one you want to move down in there, then swipe to the screen you want to move it to and then drag it back out. If you want to drag more than one, you can drag multiple ones to that same spot, making a folder in the dock. And then you sort of got a basket where you can stick all the apps you want to move to a different screen, swipe to the screen you want to move them to, and then pull them all out. And it's really simple. But every time I tell someone that, they say, oh, wow, I never thought about that. That's so much easier. Oh, wow. I never thought about that. That is so much easier. Well, you're right, because it is. Because having to drag things across screens sometimes works. More often than not, but but you're right. Having a basket and just being able to swipe over to the seventh page, is, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's very useful. Oh yeah, I hate that thing where you've got your page nice and neatly arranged, and then you don't quite get it right to the edge, and it bumps over the the last icon in this page to the next. Page. Yeah, it's yeah, yeah. Huh. Good. Okay, and uh, and Dan Warren, you get to close it out. All right. Um, so I think uh, you know a lot of us spend time on our iOS devices, and we spend some of that time dealing with text and typing. And typing is a little bit frustrating on them. But here's one tip that can make it easier, specifically on the iPad, which is to say if you find yourself in need of typing an apostrophe, which is usually buried under sort of a submenu where you can you know you hit the little one two three punctuation, it gives you all the different punctuation marks. So you hit the apostrophe, you go back to letters, you keep typing. It's kind of annoying. Instead, what you can do is quickly just flick your finger upwards on the exclamation mark key that appears on the top level of the keyboard. You don't even have to press and hold. You can just flick your finger upwards from that, and it'll type an apostrophe, and you'll stay on the letter keys, and you can keep typing. Um, And an addendum to that is, and I think this was added later, um, you can also now flick upwards on the question mark key uh, in order to type a quotation mark really quickly. 
Um, and so that saves you a lot of time because you don't have to switch back and forth between all the different modes of the keyboards. And if you're looking for other, as sort of an addendum to that, if you're looking for any sort of special characters, um, you know, if you want to type a uh, an accent over a letter or for some reason, you can often find them by tapping and holding on the base letter. So if you want to type an accent over an E, you can tap and hold on E, and it will show you all the different special characters that are related to yeah, E. I, so handy way of extending your Yeah, type. I use that apostrophe one every day. I think, was it Cable Sasser from Panic who mentioned it like two years ago on Twitter? And, and I, yeah, when the when the yeah. iPad first came out, I mean, like you knew that if you could tap and hold on the right. on the uh, exclamation point, you get the apostrophe. But the flicking part is what makes it so much easier because you don't have to interrupt right. your flow. It's yeah. really just sort of a casual thing. And so I just actually found the quote thing while I was looking around today. I mean, maybe I knew it was there, but the fact that you can do that with, with quotation marks too yep. is pretty pretty great. You know, uh, it, it seems like two years, but the iPad's only actually even been out for one year. Are, no, oh, tip, right, uh, right, right, right. It would have been an amazing tip two years. I was ago. thinking iPhone, but you're right; it's <laughs> iPad only isn't it yeah yes. yes it does not work on the iphone sadly. i mean the tapping and holding letters does but the the quick shortcut for the apostrophe and quotation yeah. mark do not. but you're right yeah that's good yeah you're right Justin. it does seem like the ipad's been out more than a year isn't it isn't that it's bizarre? hard to believe it's amazing yeah and i'm going to close this out with a an awkward transition via tip and that is if you have multiple windows open and you'd like to close them all and we'll start with multiple window jason snell yes i'm a multiple window yes uh multiple window Dan Frakes? Yes. Uh, you'd have no idea where this is going. No, just one window. Am I one window in a set oh, yes, of multiple you are, windows? You, no. I'm sorry. I see, I see how this is going. You're, okay, you're, you can option click on us, aren't you? Yeah, exactly. exactly. No. Right. Yes, yeah, so I'm going to option click on all these open windows. So if you, uh, if you need to close all your windows at the same time, hold down the option key, click on the close box, and everybody goes Whoa. away. And here they go. Goodbye. Wait a second. 